This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Well, we're going we're going to get in the word here because I I have uh, a lot I want to share. You know, there's no notes because there, if I, I put this in notes, it would just take too much. So you can go back and you can listen and, and, and watch this. And uh, when I tell you a scripture, really you can add the whole book to it. And that will make sense in a the, in the minute. Because I want to talk about uh, what is Easter, you know, really about. We've been talking about heaven and forever. And heaven is real. And it's a place that God has made and designed for his family, for believers, those that accept him and love him. And it's, a, it's an awesome place. And it's a real place. But what made the way for us to even be in God's family? How did we get there? And it all goes back to the cross, to that death, burial, and resurrection. And let me tell you the effect of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. It, it will always be in place. It, that finished work at the cross is eternal. That means he's not going to do it again. It doesn't need to be done again. It is complete. He finished what he, his task, his mission. He completed it. And now, if for eternity, that's, that one sacrifice is in place. Aren't you glad? A billion years down the road, there doesn't have to be someone else to come, uh, someone else to bring salvation, because it is done. It is, it is finished. So uh, I want to look at what happened at the cross and, and what Jesus did on Easter and, and where he is today. And I believe once you get this and understand this, it changes things in your life. It makes you appreciate what he did so much, so much more. You know, I heard a story about a man who was uh, walking home, it was at night, and he wanted to take a shortcut, so he went through the cemetery. And he happened to be walking along and accidentally fell into a freshly dug grave. And he's in this grave, and he's jumping up. He's, he's trying to reach up and, and get out. He's, you know, clawing to get out. And he just, and finally, he's exhausted, and he just gives up. He goes to the other end of the grave, and he just sits down on the dirt, waiting for day, daylight or someone to come along. He said he's there, and about 30 minutes later, another man comes, and he falls into the same grave, at the opposite end. And here goes the routine again. He's jumping up, he's reaching, he's clawing, he's, he's trying to get out, out of this grave and not realizing, of course, that the, the man in the shadows at the other end of darkness was sitting over there watching this. And this man's trying and finally he's exhausted and he's about to sit down when he hears a voice out of the shadow of darkness says, you can't get out of here. But he did. <laughs> and let me tell you, Satan had Jesus in a tomb 2,000 years ago. And out of darkness, he said, you can't get out of here. 
But Jesus did. He's risen from the dead. And because he is alive, we are alive. Because he lives, we live. Because he made a way for us to be with Father. For us to experience the love of Father. The love of God. So what is the purpose of the cross, the death, and the resurrection? The purpose really is God wanted you. God wanted a relationship with you. He wanted to show you, he wanted you to experience his love. He wanted you to know his goodness. He wanted you to be his son, his daughter. He wanted you to be a part of his family. That's what this whole thing was about. And we talk about, you know, John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. But I want to make it more personal than that. God so loved you. He so loved Bob. He so loved you that he gave. You know, there's an African tribe that, you know, the way we greet each other, hey man, how's it going, you know, like that. There's an African tribe where they greet each other and they say, I see you. Be like, I see you, Dennis. That's the way they greet each other. And it's full attention. But, you know, that's the way I see Jesus on the cross. He was saying, I see you, Bob. I see you, Rob. He had us in mind while he was there. It was a personal thing that he was dying. He was paying the price for each of us. That was the purpose of this cross. That was what God was after was to get a family, to get us back. And what the God of the universe is saying through the death, burial, and resurrection is, I love you. I love you. I desire you to be a part of my family. And that unconditional love, the love of God, is what the cross is about, is what the death, that resurrection is about. So I want to look a few moments had some scriptures that speak about this. You know, the Bible's full of prophecies. Over 80% of the prophecies have been fulfilled to a T. No one can dispute it. No one can deny it. Hundreds of years, thousands of years before it took place, it was prophesied in the Word. But there's a prophet named Isaiah who prophesied and, and told about Jesus on the cross and what this meant, what he was doing. In Isaiah 53, and you can read the whole, whole chapter, it actually starts out, who can believe this? This is so good. Who can believe this report? It's so where he starts. But we're going to start at verse 3. Isaiah 53, verse 3. This is speaking of Jesus. He is despised and left of men. A man of pains, acquainted with sickness. And as one hiding the, the face from us, he is despised and we esteemed him not. Surely our sickness he hath borne and our pains he hath carried them and we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God and afflicted. And he is pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is on him and by his bruise, which same word stripes, there's healing to us. 
And then verse 5 from the Amplify, I love the way it says it. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. What was needful to bring peace, the shalom peace of God. Nothing missing, nothing broken, completeness and well-being, wholeness. Whatever was needful for that, Jesus paid the price for that. He took your sickness, he took your pains, took our transgressions and infirmities, iniquities. Verse 6, all of us like sheep have wandered. Each one his own way we have turned. And Jehovah hath caused to meet on him the punishment of us all. So Jesus took our sins. He took our sickness. He took our disease. He took our transgression. He took our rebellion. He took our, our pains. He took our guilt. He took our shame. And when you study Deuteronomy chapter 28, you see the curse that he took for us because the, the curse of the law, the punishment had to come on him for sin and for disobedience. And that curse, when you read it, if you're ever, ever having just a, a, a tremendously great day and you think I'm just a little too happy and you want to get, just come down a little bit, read Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 16 and start reading about the curses. You know, you're cursed when you wake up in the morning. You're cursed when you breathe. You're cursed in the city and you're cursed in the country. You're, you're cursed. And it talks about being overwhelmed. It talks about inflammation and arthritis. It, it talks about mental issues. It talks about physical issues. It talks about premature death. It, it talks about uh, fear and uh, protection issues. All these things are covered in the curse. Yet in Galatians 3.13 it said Jesus became a curse for us. And we've been redeemed from the curse. That the blessings of Abraham would come upon us. The blessing. Jesus paid the price at the cross where you could have the blessing, the blessing of God. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you thankful? Someone calls you cursed, someone curses you out and say, no, that's not for me. Somebody took that cursing. <laughs> Somebody took the curse already. <laughs> the curse. Think about this. Jesus had never been sick. He had never experienced guilt or shame or rebellion. All those things he had never experienced. The mental torment. All the things that he took on himself because of us. He did it for us because he loves us. In verse 9 it says, And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was he deceit in his mouth. And you read the rest of Isaiah 53, but the word death there is actually plural. It's deaths. He experienced deaths. And when you look at the Hebrew, that's and every, everyone agrees that it's deaths, it's, it's plural. What does that mean? It means, and when you look at Isaiah 53, he experienced physical death, but he also took the transgression. He took the, the iniquities, 
And it wasn't just sickness and disease that would kill your body. He took sin. He was not a sinner. Jesus never became a sinner. He became sin. And he took that, that curse. How did he experience deaths? Well, what he's saying there, he experienced physical death and he experienced spiritual death. What spiritual death? He was separated from Father. And we see this picture many places, man. In the Old Testament, they would take two goats and one goat was called the sin offering and they would slay that goat and that blood, whoever came in contact with that blood or identified with that blood was cleansed, was clean. It was, it was holy. But there was another goat and you had to have both goats to complete the sacrifice there was another goat. It was called the scapegoat. Anybody heard of scapegoat today? In our time, we talked about scapegoat. Well, it's from the Bible. The scapegoat. And the priest would lay both hands on the scapegoat and confess every sin of the people. He's probably there for a while. <laughs> Confessing those sins. And then it was released into a desert to the wilderness a deserted place, a, a lonely place because it was contaminated. It was cursed. But the other one, the blood, would set you free. And it's a picture of Jesus. It's a picture of the sacrifice because we know everything in the Old Testament is shadows of the real thing. It's a shadow of that which is to come in Christ. So the Old Testament is about the Messiah. It's about Jesus and what he would do. You remember when on the cross Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because he was the scapegoat and he was rejected. He was contaminated. And Father God had to turn his head from his own son because he was now sinned. He carried our sins. He carried our perversion. He carried our rebellion, our disobedience, our guilt, our shame. He carried it. And Father God had to turn his head from him. You know what that tells me? He died alone. He died alone. That's one thing. Once you come into the family of God, you're never alone again. Heaven, there's going to be no one lonely in heaven. I'm lonely. Where's Jesus? No one's going to be lonely. Well, Pastor, I have no family on earth. You, you said families be together. I have no family. You look at the Old Testament. They brought the stranger in who would agree and come beside them and said, now that one who was solitary by himself, now your family. No one's left out. But Jesus died alone. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him, the Father made Jesus, who knew no sin, knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And that's what I was saying. Jesus wasn't a sinner. He didn't sin. He became sin. He willingly took our sin upon himself. 
Jesus was all God, of course, but he laid that down. He came to earth as a man, born of a Virgin Mary. Adam and Eve sinned physically, and then they died spiritually. That's when spiritual death entered. Actually, man in the beginning was not created to die. They were created to live forever. They lived 900-something years. You know, it took many years after Adam and Eve sinned. It took many years for them to die. Now man's life is like 120 years, according to scriptures. Jesus had no death in him. He would still be alive today unless he hadn't died. What? He had no death in him. He took our death. The wages of sin is what? Death. He took our death upon himself. John 6, 10, verse 18. No one can take my life from me, Jesus speaking. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again, for this is what my Father has commanded. So Jesus gave himself up. Jesus, by faith, took on the sins of the world. He obeyed the Father. He took it on the openness heart to receive sin, to receive the curse, to receive death. He became it. He identified so much with it that he became sin. He became the curse. And God the Father. Now, you remember when he died, his, his blood, that was the, the sin offering. And that blood cleanses us and sets us free. But who offered, who offered Jesus? God so loved the world that he gave. God the Father laid hands on Jesus and confessed the sins of the world, past, present, and future, on Jesus. He was the scapegoat. He was both the sin offering and the scapegoat. It was complete. He had paid the price for our sins. Why do you think that Jesus sweated drops of blood in Gethsemane before he died? Why do you think he was dropping uh, these drops of blood, sweating? It wasn't because Jesus was a wimp. Other people had, had died. Other people had been crucified. It wasn't that he was afraid of physical death. He knew that he was going to be the scapegoat and he was going to experience something that gripped his heart more than any other thing. He was going to be separated from Father. He had never experienced that. But see, he was separated from Father where you never have to be separated. He was forsaken by God for a moment where you are always accepted by God. He became sin where you could be made righteous. He was alone where you could have family. He made a way that we could always be with Father and we could be together in a wonderful place for all eternity. Jesus became sin. He became our substitute. He took our place. He suffered so much to bring his life. He suffered so much, such a price that was paid. No wonder the Bible says it's our reasonable service. 
when I consider all that he's done for me to lay down my life. I don't know about you, but my life BC before Christ, all I can do is say, God, I laid down my life because I was a mess. But thank God you welcome in messes. And you take a mess and you change your life. Thank God that your blood still cleanses. It's not lost its power. And it changes a life forever. And all of a sudden, you love everyone. Even those that spit at you and mock you. What do you do? Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. But I love them. I'm going to pray for them. And you're walking around oozing love. And people think you're in denial. They think something's wrong with you. But no, you've been radically saved and changed because of the loving grace of a father and of a son that paid the price where we could be made brand new on the inside. Wow, what a salvation that we have. In Ephesians 4 verse 8, Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. You remember Jesus on the cross? He told the thief, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Everybody remember that? And I want you to know that Jesus was faithful to that word. And they descended down to paradise. Say, what? When you study this out, Hades or hell had two compartments. Abraham's bosom, a place called paradise or rest, and another place of torment. Jesus talked about it when he talked about the rich man and Lazarus said, the rich man said, can you get Lazarus to dip his, his finger in some water to touch my tongue? I'm so thirsty. And he was told there was a gulf between them. They could not go through. Jesus went. They descended to paradise. And the Bible says that Jesus went to the lowest realm. And he received the torment that we deserve. He paid the price. But I want you to know that after three days, a voice sounded in that lower compartment of Hades. A voice said, Enough! The price has been paid. And he was raised up from the dead. And let me tell you, hell didn't like it. They couldn't, they were in shock. The Bible says if they had known, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. If the enemy had known it, he wouldn't have pulled this. But what I like about it, the Bible then says that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. You know what that means? He got born again in hell. You're talking about the gates of hell will not prevail. How about the supernatural power of God to illuminate and make Jesus alive in the spirit in hell? 
I'm a lot more excited about this than you are. <laughs> Whew. Man, this is good stuff. Revelations 1.18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of Hades and death. What did he do? We think of Jesus in a ring, you know. I remember Jesus and Satan, they're slugging it out, you know. And they're in this fight, and you have this ring, and oh, there goes down Jesus for a while. Oh, he's back up and, and all this. It wasn't that way. Jesus went down. The way the, the keys mean authority, the way the keys were, were taken back is Jesus paid the price fully and completely. He disarmed the enemy. He has no authority. He stripped him of all power. See, Adam had given... His authority that God had given to Satan. And Adam messed up, the first Adam, but the second Adam went and got it back. Had authority again. Keys are not keys to Hades and, and death. It's not keys to get in. It's to get out. <laughs> Let me in. Where's those keys? <laughs> Hades. Oh, hallelujah. I got the keys, man. <laughs> oh, I'm having too much fun. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Adam died spiritually, and then he died physically. Jesus died physically, then he died spiritually. You remember the women came to the tomb, it was empty. Mary's weeping, crying. She couldn't recognize Jesus. In John 20, 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but to go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your God and to my God and your God. I love that. That's the most powerful verse there to me. Something, everything had changed. I'm going, tell the disciples, I'm going to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. What had changed? It was now available away. To be with God, to be with Him, to be with the Lord because of the cross. That word clean there is the same word touch. Jesus saying, Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I've got to go to the Father. I, I've, don't touch me yet. And then He says, and You know, that one more, Mary. This is the same Mary that, whose brother Jesus raised from the dead, Lazarus. And she heard and, and knew, and her eyes were open. But he says, don't touch me. This is all Easter morning now. He's, he's gone up out of the lower parts of, of, of Hades. He's, he's come up. Why did Jesus need to go to the Father? Hebrews chapter 9. You can read the whole chapter. But not with the bull, blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, 
having obtained eternal redemption. Jesus had to take his blood to the mercy seat in heaven. He needed no interruptions. I've got to go there, and I've got to put the blood on the mercy seat. That was the, the fulfillment of his mission, and that blood would speak that we are redeemed and the price is paid. He had to go to Father and make sure Father was satisfied with the price that was paid and with that blood. And that blood, like I've said before, you're going to get to go in heaven because the throne room's in the, the middle of the, of the city there. You're going to get to go in there and you're going to go see the mercy seat and see the blood. And I truly believe this is just me. I believe the blood's going to speak because the Bible says the blood speaks. I believe it's going to speak and say, I love you. This blood's for you. That blood is, a, is alive. And throughout the blood sacrifice for all eternity, it's an eternal sacrifice. The demands of justice were completely and forever satisfied. Sin problem was dealt with. And God, our Heavenly Father, received him. He received him back as his beloved. Because he receives him back as his beloved, we are accepted in the beloved. We're accepted by Father God. John 20, verse 19, tells us the same day. Same day at evening. What same day? Same Easter day. They just told Mary not to touch me. Jesus appears that evening. He goes through the door. The disciples are locked down. They're, they're afraid. They're in there. He comes through the door. And this time, he says, Thomas, come and, and touch me. Touch where the nails went through. Touch my side. What happened? Before he had said, don't touch me. Now he said, touch me. He had already gone to the Father. He got all done in one day. That resurrection body flew up and, and got back that fast. It was all done uh, on Easter. Everything needed for sinful man to be united with a holy God, united with the Father, had been done. John 12, verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. This, Jesus said this right before the cross. And he said judgment was coming the judgment was coming to the enemy. It wasn't a judgment a thousand years from now. It was judgment then, 2,000 years ago. Judgment was ruled against the enemy. Was Satan cast out of the earth? No. Well, where was he cast out of? Heaven. He was cast out. Why? He has no authority to bring accusation against you anymore. Because when he, if he would come to heaven and say, I have something against Zach Davis, he did this, the father would look and say, all I see is blood, and that says he's pure and righteous. There's no place of accusation when you're in Christ. Oh, pastor, I don't like this guy preaching. You're saying everybody has a license to sin. People sin without a license, but besides that, no, that's not necessarily true because your boss isn't going to forgive you. The police aren't going to forgive you. <laughs> the judge isn't going to forgive you. 
But between God and you, he sees you in Christ as the price paid for your sins. So what's the devil doing? He's out of a job. It says now he's the accuser of the brethren. You know what he does? He accuses you. He comes and says, you're no good, unworthy. You're not even fit to be a Christian. And hammers us. What do we do? We mess up. Repent. Tell God you're sorry. But then shake it off. Just like your kids, they, they mess up. They come and say they're sorry. You don't say, well, I'm glad you're sorry, but get out of my house. You're not my kid anymore. It's not the way it works. Repentance is really for us. Daniel 7, 13. Going to finish quickly here. This gives us a little bit more insight on what uh, Jesus said when, Mary, uh, when he left Mary. Verse 13, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And most commentaries all agree it's a cloud of witnesses, or it's the cloud that was in paradise. Those Old Testament saints. Did they get saved? Yes. How? By faith, faith and sacrifices. Abraham's there, David's there, they're all there. Jesus, after, it says after he got finished in the lower part, he came up and he went ahead and taught them, look, you know all those sacrifices and stuff you were doing? This is what it's about. It said, preach to them. And then they walked 40 days on the earth. 500 people witnessed and saw them. Imagine Abraham's walking around Jerusalem. Huh? Hey, that's where I grew up. Hey, they tore that part down. I it's a Walmart up there now. They're walking around and people are seeing them. <laughs> he came to the ancient of days. They brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. In his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. The kingdom was given the dominion back to Jesus. And the enemy was stripped of all his authority. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore you go. Therefore you go. You use my name. In fact, I'll go ahead and seat you in heavenly places in me. I'm at the right hand of God the Father. And when you go and you speak my name, it says, if I'm speaking it. Verse, um, Daniel 7, verse 21. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints, prevailing against them. Until the ancient of days came, and judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. The Ancient of Days held court 2,000 years ago, and basically he said, saints win, devil loses. Amen. And now we have the victory. We have authority. So when he died, we died. When he was crucified, we were crucified. When he was buried, we were buried. But when he was raised up, 
we were raised up because he represented us. He took our place. It says he ascended up into heaven after 40 days. It says that the clouds received him. What were the clouds? It was those Old Testament saints. They were up there in the clouds. They received him. And that's what happened in heaven. They all went up to heaven and Jesus took the blood to the mercy seat. And then God the Father, they held court and they said, we have victory. He made a judgment against the enemy. We have victory in Christ. We have more. And this is just a... (laughs) When the Lord gave me this message, I have torn this thing down ten times trying to get shorter. But... That's a summary of what Easter is about. And because he paid the price, we have eternity with God. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 690-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277 You are Lord of my sin